0: Our second presentation for tonight is entitled, Our Day in Bible Prophecy. And uh, before we get into God's Word, let's go ahead and bow our heads one more time for a word of prayer. Father in Heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much for your Word. We've seen in our last presentation that your Word can be trusted. And as a result of that, Lord, we look at the other prophecies of the Bible now, Lord, Matthew 24. As we open that up and see signs of your second coming, Lord, may it give us confidence that your coming is soon. We ask for your presence to be here. Lord, please speak to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. World War II began on September 1, 18... Sorry, 1939, when Germany invaded Poland. Two days later, Britain and France declared war on Germany. And ten days later, Canada joined World War II. Yet it took another two years for the United States to join the war, and we all know how that happened. On December 7, 1941, two U.S. Army privates were manning a mobile radar unit on the Hawaiian island of Oahu. They saw something on their radar screens that would turn out to be absolutely disastrous. Japanese warplanes were headed for Oahu. The attack resulted in 2,400 American service personnel being killed. 3,350 American planes being destroyed or badly damaged, and 18 ships were lost on that day. More than 1,100 died when the the USS Arizona was sunk. It was a colossal tragedy, but it didn't have to be. It could have all been very different. Concerned with what they saw, these men contacted their superiors at Fort Schaffner but were told that there was nothing to worry about. They were told it was probably American planes on maneuvers flying from the deck of the aircraft carrier the USS Lexington. At 7.45 a.m., the two privates went for breakfast. But by that time, the blip on their radar screen had disappeared. That was because the planes were now so close to the island of Oahu that the island's hills rendered their radar incapable of detecting them. At 7.53, just eight minutes after the men went for breakfast, the first bomb started to fall down upon Pearl Harbor. Carnage, devastation, and destruction followed. The great tragedy of it all, friends, is that for an hour, for a solid hour, there was clear, inescapable. Irrefutable evidence about, of, about what was about to take place. Evidence that danger was at hand. The signs were screaming out that death was in the air. And the signs were observed, and then they were ignored. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a dangerous thing to ignore the signs. It's also a dangerous thing to pick and choose what parts of Scripture are inspired or relevant for us today. And as we begin our second message for tonight, I want you to know that I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. Amen? Amen. I believe it is reliable and trustworthy from beginning to end. In fact, the Apostle Paul makes this claim in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Friends this text is foundational for us as believers and I believe that this verse is true with all of my heart. But unfortunately friends there are some that say that the Bible isn't inspired by God or that only portions of scripture are inspired by God. But what does the Bible say? It says all all scripture is inspired by God, given by inspiration of God. And while the Bible claims to be inspired, it doesn't say that all opinions Are inspired by God. Now we are all welcome to our own opinions, aren't we? I'm sure we all have lots of opinions about lots of different things coming from different backgrounds. We're likely going to see things from different perspectives at times. But as we begin tonight, we want to be careful about two things. Number one, we want to make sure that our desire is to know the truth. Amen? We want to know the truth. Jesus said in John 8.32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what? It will, you it will set you free. Truth can be known. Notice he didn't say that an opinion will make you free, or that a tradition or that a lie will make you free. He said the truth will make you free. That's very important, friends. The second thing is this. A lot of people are reluctant to give up their own opinion And they'll make their opinion or traditions more important than what the Bible says. And that's a dangerous position to be in, friends. We need to have enough humility that we're praying, Lord, guide me. Lord, show me the message of the Bible. Please teach me. Be my instructor. Be my guide. Help me to understand your word. We don't want to go into the Bible and try and impose our own thoughts upon the Bible. That's not God's way. Instead, we should come to the Bible in an an honest effort to search and understand what God's message is for us. And when you get to the prophecies that are symbolic, you especially want to find Bible keys that unlock these Bible prophecies, these, these Bible mysteries. So in the Bible, there are signs that clearly indicate that the end of the world is near. Signs that Jesus is about to return. And these are signs you don't want to miss, friends. One day, Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem. The disciples were commenting on the magnificent temple, which had just been enlarged by the Roman Empire, the Roman government. Gazing at this incredible structure, Jesus made a startling statement to his disciples. He said this in Matthew chapter 24, and you can follow along in Matthew chapter 24. We'll be there for the majority of our study tonight, uh, but we'll also have the verses here on the screen for you. So Matthew chapter 24, verse 2, the Bible says this, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, friends, this was the most important building in the Jewish nation. And Jesus just predicted right there that it was going to be completely destroyed. The disciples must have been completely shocked. This is big news. And as the disciples and Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives, they asked Jesus the question that all of us here would have asked him. They said this in Matthew 24, verse 3. Now as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age?" You see, the disciples were sure that Jerusalem and its temple was destined to last forever. So they were confident that Jesus must be talking about the end of the world. But as we study this passage more closely, we find that Jesus spoke about two different events. One of them was the second coming of Jesus. When Christ comes with, in, in glory with all his holy angels, I cannot wait for that day. Amen? The other event, however, was one that would be seen by many people living at that time. Many people that were alive. It was the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in AD 70. Then Jesus went on to tell the disciples what was going to happen to the temple. He said in Matthew 24, verses 15 and 16, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. God wants us to understand his word, amen? Tells us right there. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, God had revealed to Daniel that one day Jerusalem would be destroyed. And now Jesus reminds his disciples that the prophet Daniel's warnings would soon be fulfilled. Then Jesus went on to say this in Matthew 24, verse 17 and 18. He said, Let him who was on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who was in the field not go back to get his clothes. In other words, he told them to flee for their lives, because when they saw the armies of Rome surrounding Jerusalem, the destruction was imminent. He wanted them to get out of there. In Luke's account, in Luke chapter 21, verse 20 and 22, Jesus said, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things are written may be fulfilled. And they will fall by the edge of the sword, and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Church historian Eusebius elaborates on the destruction of Jerusalem. He says this, he says in the year A.D. 66, approximately 33 years after Jesus gave this prediction in Matthew 24, the Roman armies under Cestius, the Roman governor of Syria, came to put down a rebellion that had broken out in Jerusalem. As they laid siege against the city, however, the city withstood the ravages of the Roman army. And finally, the Roman armies withdrew, despairing of actually being able to take the city. So those who followed the instruction given by Jesus, they fled the city. They fled the city and they escaped the slaughter of the Roman army that that came four years later. Sadly, many people did not. Over 1.1 million people were killed in the terrible destruction of Jerusalem. It was absolutely awful, friends. If only they had heeded the instructions of Jesus to flee the city four years earlier when, when the armies had surrounded the city. They could have gotten out. They could have been saved. And friends, here is a striking lesson on the importance of studying and believing the prophecies of the Bible. Those who believed Christ and watched for the signs, they were saved, while the unbelieving perished. So it will be at the end of the world. The watchful believers will be delivered by God, while the careless and unbelieving will perish. So what happened to the magnificent temple? Well, Titus, the Roman general in charge of taking the city of Jerusalem, had given orders to save the temple. You see, the Romans knew how beautiful the temple was. It was just a gorgeous structure. It was super valuable, had tons of gold in it. And they did not want it to be destroyed that was one thing they were not going to destroy but one of his soldiers threw a lighted torch through the door and the temple became a burning inferno. in order to savage the gold that melted from the dome and ran into the masonry the huge blocks of granite and marble had to be pried apart and not one stone was left upon another Amen. just like jesus said Exactly as Jesus had foretold his disciples 40 years earlier. So that's the first part of this prophecy, the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, what about the second part of the prophecy uh, regarding the end of the world? Well, Jesus gave us signs to look for to, that indicate that his coming is near. So here, his disciples asked him the question What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They asked him point blank. They wanted to know, tell us, Lord, tell us. And Jesus spoke very very clearly about this. Then Jesus began to tell them that the end of the world, what exactly the world would be like at the end of time. On the one hand, he said, you'll see signs indicating that my return is near. But on the other hand, he said this in Matthew 24 verse 36. He says, but of that day and hour knows how many people? No one, right? No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now let's not deceive ourselves. Many people down through the years have said that Jesus is returning on a particular day, or that the end of the world is happening at a particular time, but these people have been dead wrong. You remember not too long ago, there was a radio preacher down in California that said that Judgment Day was coming, He even named the day, May 21, 2011. The media gave him a lot of publicity, not because anyone in the media actually believed it, but because the media knows that nothing attracts attention like a good train wreck. And that's exactly what this prediction was. No, Jesus didn't return. Judgment Day did not happen. They were just plain wrong, and that's unfortunate. It makes, it makes other Christians look bad when people make these kind of predictions. And just this past month, David Mead, a Christian numerologist, maybe you saw this on the news, he predicted the end of the world would occur on September 23. His prediction had no legitimate scriptural backing. I, I, I took a look at some of the articles and I was like, this makes absolutely no sense. And obviously, friends, we're still here today, aren't we? So we don't want to be setting dates pretending that we know precisely when jesus is going to return but there's no problem saying what we do know and that is what the bible tells us the bible tells us that jesus is coming quickly amen jesus is coming soon it's a great hope that we have as christians but it's no wonder that people even many christians roll their eyes, and, and sometimes they shrug their shoulders when you talk about the end of the world or the second coming. Even some Christians have lost the hope of Christ's return. It's, it's really sad. It's really sad, friends. But before we look at the signs of Christ's coming, there's something that I want to stress right now. When we talk about the end of the world, friends, when we talk about the end of the world from a biblical perspective, we're framing it in the context of good news. The end of the world is good news, amen? Because that means Jesus is coming. If what the Bible says is true, then the end of the world is really the beginning of something new and something beautiful. Because we read in the Bible that when Jesus returns, there will be no more death. Amen? There will be no more pain, no more sorrow. There won't be any more child abuse. There won't be any more spousal abuse. There won't be any more marriage problems. There won't be any more racism. Amen? No longer will there be injustice. When Jesus comes back, he's going to make all things right and all things beautiful. And that, my friends, is good news. Thank God we can look forward to his coming with hope. The great hope of Christ's return is all throughout the Bible. And it's even mentioned in the book of Job. Job chapter 19, verses 25 to 27, Job says this. He says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last, on the earth and after my skin is destroyed basically after i die this i know that in my flesh i shall do, i shall do what i shall see god whom i shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another how my heart yearns within me you can see job had a desire to see his lord amen to see his redeemer job was confident that his redeemer was alive in fact he longed to be with god He had confidence that it was going to happen one day. He looked forward to that day, and we can too. Amen? So let's go back to Matthew 24. Back to the signs of Christ's coming. There in Matthew 24, verse 6, Jesus spoke to the disciples saying this. He said, "'You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet.' For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. War is a terrible thing, isn't it? In World War I, 24 million people died. In World War II, it was 60 million, almost three times the amount. We can add to that the Korean War, Vietnam, the Gulf War, and most recently, the never-ending War on Terrorism. Not to mention the wars that take that are taking place around the world that don't even make the news. And what about rumors of wars? Have you heard about any rumors of war recently? I think so. It's all over the place. Threats. There's been some serious saber-rattling going on, friends. Threats from North Korea nuking the US and and even vice versa. It's uh, it's quite Quite scary, all the things that are happening. Not to mention that Iran isn't too friendly, and neither is Russia. Rumors abound, don't they? Rumors of war. When Jesus said that a sign of his coming is wars and rumors of wars, there's no question in my mind, friends, that he could have easily been talking about our day. Then Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 7. He said, And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now, it's easy to forget that famines still happen around the world, because here in America, we don't really feel it, right? Not to mention that we all know when our next meal is coming, and it's probably not that far away, right? But there have been at least a dozen famines affecting millions of people in the last decade. The United Nations tell us that one in nine people don't get enough food to live a healthy, active lifestyle. That's a huge problem friends, one in nine. What if 11% of the people in this room here tonight weren't getting enough food? That would be a major problem. But that's how it is on a global level. One person dies every five seconds from hunger related causes. In spite of the fact that one third of the food that is produced on our planet is wasted. Absolutely tragic, friend. One third of our food is wasted, and one person's dying every five seconds. Jesus spoke of famines and pestilences. Now, pestilences is another word for disease. So do we have pestilences in our world today? Absolutely. There are even more pestilence, there, there are even pestilences that we don't think much about anymore. According to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. AIDS is killing at least 1.1 million people a year, still to this day. Add to this that people all over the world are dying from heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. We all know someone that's died from a heart attack. We all know people that are struggling with cancer. These are modern-day pestilences. Then there are diseases that absolutely terrify us, like Ebola. Remember that breakout? A while back, Ebola, SARS, mad cow disease, these are terrifying diseases. Jesus said that a sign of the last days would be famines and pestilences. We wonder when Jesus says earthquakes, could he be talking about our day? I think he could, friends. Let's look at a couple relatively recent earthquakes that have happened. Some some real major ones. On December 26, 2004, right around Christmas time, it was Christmas Eve, maybe you remember it, there was a 9.1 earthquake off the west coast of Sumatra in the Indian Ocean. The resulting devastation from that tsunami killed 230,000 people in 14 countries. Can you imagine? That's like, like over a quarter million people died from this tsunami and earthquake. 1.7 1.7 million people were displaced by this. Absolutely tragic. In 2005, 80,000 people died from one earthquake in Pakistan. In 2008, 70,000 people died from one earthquake in China. In 2010, 220,000 people died from one earthquake in Haiti. Friends, these are catastrophic and absolutely terrible events. They have to be telling us that we are closer to the return of Christ than ever before. Amen? Then we start thinking about weather-related events. On May 22, 2011, there was a one-mile-wide tornado that went straight through Joplin, Missouri. And about 25% of the town was completely destroyed. It was the deadliest tornado to strike the U.S., since 1947. It was also the most costly tornado in U.S. history. I remember going there less than a year after that happened, because my brother pastored a church in Missouri just about an hour away, we went down there, and much of the town was just completely wiped out still. Just totally devastated that community. And who can forget Hurricane Katrina? and Hurricane Rita, these massive hurricanes, a one-two punch that caused over $150 billion worth of damage. Nobody at the time had ever seen anything like that before. The damage was one thing, but there was also a loss of life. Families were torn apart, communities were destroyed, and you can't put a price tag on that. We've never seen such a thing before in our nation's history, and then this year alone, friend, we've had Hurricane Harvey. We've had it's been wreaking havoc on, on Texas, right? And then Hurricane Irma devastating the Caribbean and parts of Florida. Five out of the I did some research and five out of the uh, five out of the ten most active Atlantic hurricane seasons have been in the last thirty-two years. So out of the top ten, half of them have happened to be in the last thirty-two years. Things are getting worse, friends. Things are not the way they used to be. However, it's not just rain in some places, rain that's coming down and causing damage. In some places, it's a lack of rain. Not long ago in the Amazon jungle, there were two 1-in-100-year one- droughts, except they didn't happen 100 years apart. They happened within five years. These extreme weather-related events seem to be happening all the time now. Wildfires, everything, you name it, it's, it's happening. Another sign of Christ's coming is the decay of morals. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, the Bible says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So the question begs to be asked, Well, what were the days of Noah like? Well, here at Unlocking Prophecy, we want to let the Bible answer our questions, amen? So let's look at the Bible. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 tells us, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. It was bad it was bad times right there before God destroyed the world. Genesis 6, 11 says, The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with what? It's filled with violence. Does Noah's day sound a lot like our day? I believe it does, friends. Great wickedness and great violence. Evil thoughts continually? I believe it sounds a lot like our day. How bad does it have to get before we realize where we are in Earth's history? Back in 1999 in Columbine, Colorado, two high school students went and shot up their school, killing 15. They wanted to kill everybody in the school, but praise God, it didn't work out that way. At the time, we wondered, you know, that maybe that was just about as bad as things could get, you know? 15 people died in a school shooting. Well, we quickly discovered that things could get much, much worse. In 2007, on a university campus in Virginia, one gunman was responsible for the deaths of 33... We could mention Sandy Hook as well. Horrible tragedies, friends. Absolutely horrible tragedies. And just last year in Orlando, Florida, 50 people were killed at a nightclub by, by I believe one person. And just this week, the headlines: Las Vegas, the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. I think it was the death toll 58 now. It's absolute 58, 59. It's absolutely tragic, friend. We continue to see violence in the days in which we live. And right when we could be tempted to think that all these shootings take place everywhere but here. Then we have a young man that walks into a mall just two hours north of us last year, North Cascade Mall, and kills five people at random. Remember hearing about that? It's absolutely tragic, friends. And now we live with the threat of terrorism. In many parts of the world, you have to fear ISIS. There have been terrible attacks in Paris, Brussels, and other cities, London. In Nigeria, there is Boko Haram. In other parts of the world, there are other terror groups. All of these trouble spots are flaring up all at once. The Middle East is a complete disaster. I don't think there's anybody alive that doesn't think that something like 9-11 could happen again. That's why when you go through security at the airport, it's so extremely tight. It's hard to remember a time without it, honestly. It's been so long. And we live with it because we must. For we know that there are people in this world who would gladly do something like 9-11 again. The Bible said that in the end, there would be evil continually, and that the earth would be filled with violence. Our world is in a sad state, friends. To add to this, there are tens of millions of people trapped in various forms of slavery. Maybe you didn't realize that, but there are, researchers estimate that there are 40 million people that are enslaved around the world, generating $150 billion a year in profits for their traffickers. The statistics are absolutely awful. 25% of these people are children under the age of 18, 71% of them are women and girls. Yet, slavery is not legal anywhere, but it happens everywhere. And America is no exception. You see on the chart there, 2 million in the Americas are being trafficked. It's happening even in free America. Friends, we're living in a world where you cannot take your safety for granted. A world where it's routine for people to alarm their houses and put multiple locks on their doors. We go to great lengths to protect ourselves because even in the unlikely places, even in the the most remote places, the unthinkable can happen. But that's the sad state of our world, isn't it? And we ask ourselves the question: Is Jesus coming soon? Well, you might be tempted to say, Well, we've always had we've always had natural disasters. We've always had famines, we've always had pestilences, we've always had earthquakes. And that's true. We've always had some of these things. But notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 8. This is a very crucial verse to our study tonight. He said, this is Jesus speaking, he said, All these things, all these signs, are the beginning of sorrows. Now that Greek word translated sorrows should more accurately be translated birth pains. Now I'm no expert on birth pains, however... Some of you know that my wife and I are expecting our first child this February and we're really thrilled. This week we actually found out that it's a boy, a baby boy, so we're really excited about that. February 20 is the due date, so, so I'm not an expert on birth pains yet, but here's what I do know about birth pains. When a baby's on the way, the contractions begin. At first they're not quite so intense but, and they're further apart. But the closer you get, the more intense they get. Jesus said that his coming is like birth pains. Another earthquake may not mean much, but a frequency and an intensity of these events tell us that Jesus is coming soon. Now there's another sign that I want to share with you. It's found in Daniel chapter 12 verse 4. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Daniel was a sealed book until the time of the end, it says. And many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, in this passage, there's no doubt that Daniel was referring to spiritual knowledge. But it also seems that he was also referring to secular knowledge as well. Look at some examples with me. Here's what a 5-megabyte hard drive looked like in 1956. It weighed over one ton, and it's being loaded onto an airplane with a forklift. Next to it is a flash drive, and that flash drive has 1,638 times more hard drive space than that one ton hard drive did in 1956. Times have changed, friends. Knowledge has definitely increased tell a child that back in the olden days, you had to take film out of your camera and you had to take it to the store to get it developed uh, in order to get processed, they, the, child, the child might not believe you <laughs> with all of our digital cameras and smartphones. If you tell the child that the film was in black and white, they're probably going to laugh their heads off. <laughs> and, if, and they might ask you if you had electricity and running water back in the old days. Times have definitely changed. Now we have digital cameras, smartphones, satellite dishes, the internet, email, texting, Facebook. We all know that it's going to keep on changing. That's just the way it is, right? If time were to last, our children's children, would they're probably going to laugh at their parents at the fact that we texted on our phones. They'll probably have something new by then if time were to last. I don't think it will. But so are we near the return of Jesus, friends? Based on what Jesus said, the inescapable conclusion is that yes, we are. Which means that the greatest event in all of human history is about to take place. Now with Jesus' words, there come a caution. He gave another sign in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5. He said, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Friends, have we seen false Christs in our world? We absolutely have. One such false Christ was a man by the name of Jim Jones. Anyone ever heard of him? A man by the name of Jim Jones. He was a pastor of a church that was a model of racial harmony. First Lady Rosalind Carter even met with him on several occasions. And the mayor of San Francisco said that he was a great person. But in 1978, he led 900 of his followers to kill themselves in the country of Guyana. Among the dead were 300 children. Here was a man who said, If you want me to be your friend, I'll be your friend. If you want me to be your God, I'll be your God. And he stood in the place of Christ for these people. And it was absolutely tragic, friends, the death toll that took place there. So terrible. So terrible. The devil is trying to deceive people, friends, but I want to let you know that there is a simple way to not be deceived, and that is to pray and read this book. Amen? Read your Bible and follow Christ, friends. Follow the teachings of Jesus. Gather around the Word of God and make that your counsel. Make that the foundation for everything you believe. If, it, if you don't have a thus saved the Lord behind what you do, then you need to submit to God's Word. Amen? Make it your guide. Understand the teachings of the Bible and follow them. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And friends, the Holy Spirit will never lead you in a direction opposite of the Bible. Amen? Because the the Holy Spirit guided the Bible writers. He inspired the Bible writers to write what they wrote. So follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And then when He prompts you to give your life to Him, just do it, friends. Just give your life to Jesus. God can give you a new heart tonight. He can give you a future and a hope. The one who turned water into wine can turn a sinner into a saint. He opened the eyes of the blind when he walked on this earth. And friends, he can open the eyes of the spiritually blind as well. He can open up our eyes and help us to see him through new eyes. And just as Jesus raised the dead... He raised Lazarus to life. He can raise the spiritually dead as well. Let's look at one more sign of Christ's return. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, the Bible says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in how much of the world? All of the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Friends, the gospel is spreading rapidly all around the world. Revelation 14.6 describes this end-time movement, this end-time message that goes to all the world. It's described as the everlasting gospel that will be preached to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. God's not wanting to leave anybody else. Amen? He's wanting this message to go to every nation, every people, every, every language. Wonderful thing. God is wanting everybody to have an opportunity, friends, to hear the gospel and to accept it to experience his grace. That's why we're doing these meetings here at Unlocking Prophecy, because we believe that the gospel needs to go out, amen? That people need to understand these prophecies of the Bible because they're so applicable to the times in which we live. We're living so close to the return of Christ. We want to do our part to help the community of Winlock and the surrounding areas know that Jesus is coming soon. Be ready. And we praise God that the gospel is now being proclaimed on, on TV and on the internet and, and by radio. You know, it's amazing what they can do with some of this technology. People, I, I heard a report recently that um, there are some radio ministries that are shooting radio signals into parts of the world where we can't send missionaries even, like North Korea and other places. And uh, I know that God is doing a mighty work that we aren't even aware of at this time. Amen? The gospel is going to the world. People are giving Bible studies around the world. Yes, my friends, we are indeed living in the time that Jesus foretold. The Holy Spirit is at work to reach as many people as possible. Believe it or not, friends, but God is doing all that he can to save as many people as possible. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 tells us, says, the Lord is not slack. That means the Lord is not slow concerning his promise. That is, the promise of his coming, his second coming. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Friends, Christ wants as many people to be saved as possible. And he's doing all that he can, and he wants to use you, and he wants to use me to reach our family members, our friends, our community with the gospel. Amen? In Luke chapter 21, verse 28, Jesus said, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Friends, I believe our redemption is drawing near. Jesus is coming soon. Now is the time for us to lift up our heads to Christ and to look. To look to him. Through these last days. Jesus also said this in Matthew 24 33. He said, So you also, when you see all these things, know that it, that is, my coming, is near at the doors. When all these signs are taking place with more intensity and with more frequency, then you can know that Christ's coming is near. He's at the door, friends. Years ago, People sent important messages by telegram. Today, we're texting, we're, we're tweeting, we're Facebooking, we're Snapchatting, we're WhatsApping, and we're Instagramming. We like instant communication, don't we? But there's a message that we, need to, that we really need to make sure that we're getting friends. And there's a text that we need to be reading, and that's the Bible. Amen. We need to read the text of Scripture more than any other text that we get. The Holy Spirit is trying to get our attention in these last days. And he's telling us to put our faith and our trust in God. Because we don't know how much longer we have on this planet, friends. None of us know how much time we have. Some of us, we could leave this place and who knows what could happen. The best thing is to live each day for the Lord. Amen? We cannot be far away from what Daniel called a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. There's a time of trouble coming, friends. But thankfully, the verse does not end there. It continues to say, And at that time, your people, that is God's people, will be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. Friends, God's not going to abandon his people in the time of trouble. Instead, he's going to be with them, and he's going to deliver them everyone who's found written in the book how many of you want your name in that book the book of life amen friends the signs say that we're almost there now more than ever before we need to be reading and studying god's word for ourselves check check these things out don't just believe things just because i said it but go home look at your study guides look at your bibles make sure that this is all coming from god's word don't believe it just because i said it friends because we don't want to miss the signs. We don't want to miss the signs that God has given us, indicating that His return is near. It's been more than a hundred years now since the Titanic sailed across the Atlantic. It sailed from Southampton, New England, bound from New York City. It was said to be the safest and largest ship to ever set sail on the seas. However, we know what happened to the Titanic. It now sits on the bottom of the ocean floor nearly 370 miles south of the country of Nova Scotia. What many people forget is that while the Titanic was heading west on its journey, it received nine warning messages, nine, saying that there were icebergs ahead and every single one of those warning messages was ignored. It was understood and ignored. Today, The cemeteries of Nova Scotia are filled with those who died on the Titanic. More recently, there was a cruise ship, the Costa Concordia. Maybe you heard about it on the news a couple years back. It was wrecked off the coast of a small island named Isola del Giglio. It ran over a rock that tore a 160-foot gash in the side of its hull there, causing the ship to take on water, tip on its side, and eventually sink like the titanic this ship was not supposed to sink but sadly a number of people lost their lives on that ship but even that ship but even after that ship encountered the rock the people were that were on board were unaware that they were in danger in fact when the event occurred they were told that the ship was dealing with an electrical fault So they went on enjoying the cruise, like it was business as usual, continue on with all the fun and games, while the ship was sinking. Friends, planet Earth is a ship that's sinking. Yes, there's still much that looks beautiful, especially here in the Northwest, we're very blessed, but we must not fool ourselves into thinking that we're cruising along safely. And that tomorrow everything's going to be just the same as it was yesterday or the day before. Because it won't. It just won't. The signs tell us that Jesus is coming back soon. Now the question isn't is he or isn't he? The question is is what about us? What about us? Jesus is knocking on your heart's door tonight, friends. He's trying to get your attention because time is short question i have for you tonight as we close is will you let him into your heart tonight if that's your desire i just invite you to raise your hand amen let's pray together father in heaven lord we've seen from your word from matthew chapter 24 and other prophecies here in the bible lord that your coming is soon and lord we believe that your word can be trusted Lord, and and we recognize that these signs are taking place, Lord, just in the last month, all these things are happening. Lord, I think you're trying to get our attention. Father, help us to read the text. Help us to read your word. Help us to study it, to know what the prophecies mean, to know the signs of your coming, to know how we can be ready for your coming. And Lord, we want to invite you into our hearts tonight. Lord, we pray that you would live in our hearts, that you would... Help us, Lord, to love you more than anything that this world offers us. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to stand firm in our faith. Lord, we're living in in an age of skepticism, an age where people doubt the Bible, where they say parts of it can't be trusted, but, Lord, your word can be trusted. You've given us the prophecies, and history has verified it, Lord. We thank you for preserving it. Lord, may you live in our hearts, and may we reflect your love to everyone that we come in contact with, Lord. Prepare us for that great day when you come, and may it be soon, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.